Hello, and welcome back to the Glossy Week in Review podcast. I'm your host, senior fashion reporter Danny Parisi, and I'm here with our editor-in-chief, Jill Manoff. Hello, Jill. How are you? Hi, Danny. I am dragging my little butt around. <laughs> Happy end of Fashion Week. How are you? Happy end of Fashion Week. Same, same. I mean, I didn't have to travel like you did, but um, Fashion Week is very tiring. I had a lot of fun, and I like going to the shows, but it was a lot of crisscrossing uh, the city, a lot of ending up at the complete wrong address and having to scramble to get somewhere else and late nights and stuff. But means we've got a lot to talk about today. So we were originally going to dedicate this whole episode to just New York Fashion Week, but I feel like we have to talk about Pharrell Williams being named as the new men's creative director for Louis Vuitton. That's such big news. So we'll talk about that a little bit first, and then we will get into New York Fashion Week and just talk about some of the things we saw and trends and moments and uh, hopes and fears and dreams and all that. So, um, but let's start with Pharrell. So uh, probably most people know about this already, but um, we, I feel like we have to discuss it. So Virgil Abloh died, I think, over a year ago um, and left not only massive shoes to fill, but also um, a year's worth of unfinished projects that Louis Vuitton kind of slowly worked through um, before they got around to filling the position. Um, and it's probably was the most prestigious, coveted, open job position in in the industry. Um, And I'm sure they interviewed tons of different people. I'm sure there were a lot of different designers in the running, but they finally made their decision. And it is the somewhat surprising choice of musician Pharrell Williams. Um, So I'm actually working on a story about this right now, just like talking to people in the industry about their reactions. It seems like my the the two um, prevailing views that I have seen on it, and then I'd be curious to hear your thoughts, Jill, if you land on one of these or in between, is on the one hand, um, he is a celebrity, and I've seen a lot of disappointment that it's kind of like not someone who's a little bit more of a fashion person, um, someone who has maybe been a creative director at some other house or maybe at a, another LVMH house or at another luxury brand or something, someone who has actual design education experience. Maybe they studied at one of the big schools. Um, I've seen a lot of lamenting that it's like kind of a stunt hire, like, and and along with this trend of just like influencers and famous people being put into positions that maybe they're not qualified for. That's one view. The other view is sort of a counter to that is that Pharrell does have a lot of fashion experience. Yes, he's famous mostly for being a musician, but um, I think people forget that he co-founded two extremely successful streetwear brands um, in like the 2000s. There was Billionaire Boys Club, which if you remember, Jill, our old office in Soho had a, a Billionaire Boys Club store like down the block. And there was always huge lines out front for that. It's really popular. And then he also had a sneaker line called Ice Cream, both of which I think were founded with Nigo from A Bathing Ape, who is now working at Kenzo. Um, he's designed stuff for Adidas. He even designed some stuff for Louis Vuitton way back in the 2000s. So the other view is that he, despite being a famous person, he does have a pretty, uh, you know, long history in fashion, um, and also is known for being very stylish and eclectic and probably will be good at collaborating and all that stuff. So that's kind of the two reactions that I've seen out there. Wondering, Jill, do you, do you fall on one side or the other, or do you have a different view? Yeah. First of all, at, at Fashion Week, like it was interesting to hear the vibe. This it was announced at a buzzy time. Um, so mm-hmm. I know I'm with you. I'm seeing the suit, the two different viewpoints where um, I, you know, people next to me in the front row would, I overheard them say, 
you know, did you hear about Pharrell? Of course you heard about Pharrell. And then somebody would go, yeah. And then they'd make <laughs> eyes. And I'm like, what does yeah. it mean? Mm-hmm. Elaborate. And then, um, but also, you know, I was in another conversation where two very, I would say, uh, well-versed uh, folks in the fashion community were very hopeful um, and saying, you know, we'll see. It's, it's kind of interesting. And they were surprised because um, LVMH had interviewed, rumored to have interviewed a bunch of um, younger, like you, like, like you said, um, younger talent, people who are um, signature, I guess, that their thing is designers. But I'll tell Far, Grace Wales Bonner, um, all of these people were room, rumored to be in the running. There were probably five names that were dropped, maybe more um, along the way. Um, so to me, I am lucky in terms of like, I feel like I just had this education on Pharrell um, because I just wrote about this story that came out Monday, the day prior to this news, um, his Jupiter um, brand, which is a an auction site, a modern take on an auction house, I would say, um, and spoke to so many people who worked on this project. They've only had one auction. It was um, all of like culture, uh, cultural items with cultural significance from Pharrell's past. So, um, you know, a, a, ch- a gold chain he wore um, throughout the the aughts or something like that. And there was like a great jacket that he recently wore to a, an award show. Um, but the many people involved in this, I would ha- I have a hunch he's going to take the same approach to uh, Louis Vuitton where, you know, like Virgil, um, this is his thing. He brings in a ton of collaborators, um, the best minds in their fields. Um, And I just, it's like, is it a hype move for Louis Vuitton, LVMH? Um, But to me, I think less so. I think it's a comfortable move for LVMH um, because Pharrell has collaborated with Louis Vuitton, um, Marc Jacobs. He's collaborated with Tiffany. Um, he's got mm-hmm. that Kenzo connection. Um, he and, is it Nigo? Um, yeah, Nigo. Came out with the, the Billionaire Bar- Boys Club. They partnered on that brand together. He shows up mm-hmm. at Kenzo's show. Um, he's very much in this LVMH, I guess, family of folks. And also... I'm just getting all like ah, jumbled up here. But on the Jupiter project, um, the creative agency that was brought in by Pharrell, Pharrell's team, was Alaska Alaska, um, who's like the coolest guys. They prefer to be referred to as that collective, but spoke with them in length about um, the creative, um, the non-style guide behind this Jupiter brand. But this was um, Virgil Abloh's creative agency. Um, He brought these people together. He worked with them always. So there's like, Pharrell is, (laughs) I think, the safest uh, Virgil replacement in terms of his expertise, his circle. He's in the same circle. Um, It makes great sense um, just from that point of view. Yeah, no, I, I think you're you're totally right. If you look at it as trying to find a replacement for Virgil Abloh, then yeah, it's a, it's not a very unexpected pick. It seems like he's going to have a very similar style. I, I've seen people describe the position both uh, when Virgil held it and now as Pharrell is taking over as basically like chief curator, really, where it's more about picking who they're going to work with. And obviously Louis Vuitton already has a team of very probably a large team of very experienced in-house designers too. So um, it doesn't matter as much if whoever takes that position 
doesn't necessarily have the drape and fold experience and cutting fabric and, you know, studied at Central St. Martin's or something like that. Um, because it does seem like that that curatorial element is what they're looking for. Someone who has really great taste and who is a taste maker as well, um, not just a follower, and who knows the people who they can work with to to bring some of that excitement. Um, and also, like we were saying, he does have a ton of experience with this stuff. He His line at Adidas, the human, I think it's called the human race, NMD human race, which is also the name of his skincare line. But the Adidas sneakers are really popular and have been around for a long time. I mean, it's not quite on the same level as the Yeezy sneakers, but it's kind of similar in that it was this long ongoing partnership with some distinctive silhouettes that they did regular releases on that he was involved in. Um, he even did some, some non-footwear apparel designs for them too, I think for the Adidas Originals collection, which is their sort of more street uh, fashion kind of <laughs> kind of thing. Um, anyway, um, that being said, I do uh, think that it kind of, to go back again to the other view, um, it is it does make me think that um, this is something we've been talking about a little bit in fashion is, uh, I have been getting the sense that, especially for the big luxury houses, the the clothing itself is becoming a little less important. I had a story about this this week, and I talked to a lot of people at Fashion Week about this exact topic. That, um, you know, do you remember the the spray on dress from Caperni that we talked about last season? How could we forget? Yeah, everybody remembers that, but I don't remember a single other piece of clothing from that show, you know, and maybe that's just me, but it does feel like that gets a little bit de-emphasized sometimes. And, um, I, I can see the, the view that putting Pharrell in this role is just continuing the, uh, trend of celebrity and fame and these big branding moments as being kind of more important than the design. Um, yeah. which I don't know if I really felt that way with Virgil because Virgil kind of became a celebrity. I mean, he was, he was known before, before taking over at Louis Vuitton, obviously he had his own brand. He had done work with Kanye and stuff. So it, he wasn't like a nobody, but, uh, he took the role and became known widely for that role. Um, and it feels like for, for most of history, it's kind of been, you get the job and you become famous for having the job. And now I feel like there is definitely a little bit the opposite where you become famous first and then you get the job because you're famous. And <laughs> we saw that on all the runways where there's famous people and influencers walking the runway instead of like actual models whose job it is to be that, you know? Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, like like you said, Virgil, he wasn't maybe as famous going in. And um, Pharrell, he's a personality. He was freaking yeah. like a host of, or a judge on The Voice. Like, you know, like he's yeah. out there. He's he's wildly famous. Um, so it is different. And uh, well, Caring just reported their earnings this week. Their sales are on the decline, seven down 7% year over year for the quarter. They're taking the, the approach that you're talking about, where it's a focus on the design, the clothes, um, a diff, an entirely different approach than LVMH, whose actually revenues are are on the rise, despite, you know, everything happening in China. Um, so they recently uh, brought in a young, non-known Valentino designer to fill Alessandro's shoes, um, which, you know, totally different. And also you wrote about Demna, like you said, talking about at Balenciaga, talking about 
an increased focus on the clothes, on the design. So it's kind of the clash of the two conglomerate strategies, and um, we'll see where it where it lands. But yeah. LVMH doing <laughs> booming. It's it's working. Yeah. It seems like. And and Louis Vuitton in particular is their most coveted, most gigantic brand. I mean, one of the other reactions I saw out there was that they kind of could put anyone in that role, maybe. And the brand is just like so big and so um, widely desired that it probably would be successful no matter what. I do get the sense that there's a little bit of too big to fail energy at Louis Vuitton where they could release anything and people would would buy it. And that's definitely part of luxury fashion and always has been that you're buying not just the clothing and the construction of the clothes, but also the whole ethos around it and the the ability to say that you are wearing Louis Vuitton and stuff. That's, that's always been a part of it. So that's not totally new. Um, <laughs> Anything if it has the LV stamp. Yeah, Like people exactly. are buying bags on the street that are basically a trash bag. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I exactly. Mean, yeah, or, totally. or the people who buy the absolute cheapest uh, thing from Louis Vuitton, some socks or whatever, just to have something with the logo on it. Um, sure. So that's in that sense, that's not totally new. People always are have always you know spent a lot of money on just the brand. Um, but yeah, it does it does feel like there's a little bit more of a shift towards just you know the branding over everything. Um, one of the designers I talked to at New York Fashion Week, though, we were talking about this idea of the clothing being the star attraction versus the story around the clothing and everything. And he kind of um, pushed back a little bit and he was like, well, the story's not not important. And it's it's basically like 50% of it, you know, because he, he was showing me some of his clothes. This is um, Fletcher Cassell, I think, from Tanner Fletcher. And the clothes were all very fun, but he was like, if you just found this in a thrift store, you might, you wouldn't know the whole story around it. You wouldn't know how we tried to present it. You wouldn't know the brand and it might lose some some of the magic without all of that context. So, and and when you wear clothing, there's a lot that is being said there, even as a consumer and when you're wearing stuff, there's a lot of your own identity wrapped up in it. So there, there are things other than the clothes that matter to both the designer and the consumer. But yeah, I do feel like there's a little bit of this balance shifting where it's like, Brands like Louis Vuitton can just sell anything and put their name on it, and it doesn't really matter what it is because it's more about posting it on Instagram or something. Right I, on. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, cool. So speaking of that, do you want to move on and talk about New York Fashion Week? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. So lots to talk about uh, for New York Fashion Week. I don't have uh, particular topics. I just have a bunch of things I saw, but... Um, Going off what we were just talking about, something I noticed was a lot of celebrities out and about, um, either on the runway or in the audience or just walking around in between shows. Um, I saw Julia Fox at the Alexander Wang show, who I literally didn't even know it was her until I left. Um, I don't know why my eyes were not working. Um, but there were Emily Ratajkowski was around. Lindsay Lohan went to one of the shows. Christian Siriano. Yeah, the Christian Siriano show. I think her brother or sibling or someone was walking in the show, I think, which is why she was there. Um, I don't remember seeing this many famous people out and about last season or in previous seasons. It feels like that's uh, a, a, something that has come back since since the pandemic. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm used to seeing them at the shows, I think more so incorporating into the shows. Like you said, Emily was in um, Sim Kai, Emily Ratajkowski, yes. um, and... 
or who, who else did we just say? Oh my gosh, Julia Fox was everywhere. I was yeah. kind of, I went to the Naeem Khan show. It was uh, mm-hmm. an anniversary um, show, a big show. Um, I was honestly like hoping to see a girl of the moment, Pamela Anderson. She had just worn this like red dress that everybody said was a take on, you know, her Baywatch swimsuit. It was by the designer, um, Naeem Khan. And yeah, no, no Pamela, unfortunately, <laughs> and no celebrity there. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. There was some good celebrity buzz. I was at um, Tom Brown. Um, Whoopi Goldberg was there. Erica Badu. Like all of these great sightings. Um, I mean, that's the fun of it. But I don't think that part's new I, uh, in terms of the audience, obviously. I, re- I remember back in the day going to Michael Kors and there was like Deborah Messing and like all the, you know, mm-hmm. back in yeah. the day. So anyway, I think that's but being in the show, is, it feels different and it does add some body diversity to the show which is always appreciated (laughs) well i definitely noticed that at the alexander wang show where every single model was the classic like seven foot tall 90 pounds model except for julia fox who is also you know very thin and everything but compared to uh some of the more like extreme model bodies on display was much closer to like a normal person <laughs> of yeah. like physique. Um, and I remember thinking again, cause I did not realize it was her at first until after I left and I saw people talking about it. I was like, huh, I guess they, that was their one little gesture at diversity to have someone who's slightly, very slightly less than, but I realize now it's just cause she's, you know, she's Julia Fox, but yeah, she was all over the place. Um, also fun celebrity fact. I went to so at the same show the singer Ava Max was there and right after the Alexander Wang show I went to a trivia night at this bar near my apartment and in the music round one of the questions was Ava Max and <gasps> I I was like I literally just saw her like 20 minutes before <laughs> showing up to this so um that was, was one of my sightings be. yeah I love it yeah on the topic of body diversity there's a story out there I think um anyway it was contrasting the old guard um, in terms of designers that have been around forever. I don't think this is new this season, but like showing the traditional models, like you said, tall, thin, the newer guard, um, really like holding the torch for for change, um, like Colleen Estrada, Hillary Taymor, who you've talked to a lot. Yeah. Um, great diversity. <laughs> that show was wild. People yeah. acting like animals. <laughs> I was actually, I had that that show written in my notes as something I wanted to bring up because I found that to be such a fun show. Um, yeah, people were dressed like animals with crazy, you know, makeup and masks and stuff and crawling around on all fours and stuff. And I thought that was such a very fun show. Um, and it was the, to me, it was the perfect mix, kind of what we've been talking about, where it was wacky and a spectacle but you also could like still see the clothes and it was still memorable and the design was still kind of at the forefront while also providing something funny and and memorable about it. As Again, to bring it back to the Caperni thing, it's like the spray on dress was cool, but that had nothing to do with the rest of the clothing, you know, and it sort of just overshadows a little bit. But this was like, yeah, there were people dressed in wacky outfits and stuff, but then you still remember the clothing. You know, that that to me is the perfect um, balance between those two. It was a memorable Fashion Week moment, and I'm still thinking about the actual clothes. <laughs> I'm maybe just thinking about the animal part, but <laughs> um, no, I, I that's interesting. Yeah, in terms of format and the balance of the, the hype and the non, like I didn't really in terms of uh, see anything um, – 
that stood out in terms of a location or um, the show that, that people put on the presentation. There were a couple that were at um, art galleries, um, Kate Spade at the Whitney, um, the uh, Colts, Coltson, Robert Rodriguez's new brand um, uh, had an art element. There was Philip Lim um, at a gallery. So um, that was a theme. Um, but yeah, the shows themselves, I mean, other than and we talked about, yeah, yeah, in seasons past, like a post pandemic when there was, you know, Lowe's as a sponsor, like kind mm-hmm. of some random um, sponsors in shows. I felt I saw a couple instance, instances of that. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, we're in troubled economic times. People are going to take the moolah and have this partner all good. But um it was a different take, I guess, at um, Christian Cowan. He had Doritos as a sponsor. Um, and I thought he was going to come out with some like streetwear Doritos line. It was more like um, his ready-to-wear collection that's very tailored and, um, <laughs> I guess, meant to be worn out and about uh, like uh, in the shape of a Dorito. Like the, It was very much a red triangle. And I was like, that is interesting. But Doritos <laughs> as a sponsor. And um, I know a like, KitchenAid and some kitchen kitchenware um, brands mm-hmm. were out there as well. So well, that was a theme. Yeah, that's funny. So that reminds me, so two things I wanted to say. One, when you were talking about size diversity or body diversity and um, uh, the kind of the difference between the old guard and the new guard, one notable exception to that was I went to a Diane von Furstenberg event. It wasn't a show, but it was just uh, like a lunch and they talked about um, some stuff and DVF was there. It was at their store in the meatpacking. And um, she is a you know, a veteran. She's been around a long time and their brand is doing a lot about size inclusivity. They have a whole new collection coming out that's going through that site Dia, which is all focused on larger sizes and everything. So definitely a respect to DVF for being a an old guard fashion veteran who is very hip to, to some of that. And going nice. to that the day after the Alexander Wang show where he's a much younger, hipper designer and had this very old fashioned kind of lack of diversity on display and then going to her event the next day where she's been around since like the seventies or something and is felt more kind of, you know, in touch with what people want. I I just was a notable couple exceptions. Um, and then I was going to say, uh, Oh, speaking of show format, um, this is not new necessarily, but I went to a couple more subdued presentations that was less runway and more just having the clothes on display the brand Another Tomorrow, who I think is great. They had a just a fun, they just rented out a spot in the Mercer Hotel. They had all the clothes up on their racks and the the designer Liz Jardina just was around and walking people through and showing off the clothes. And I really liked that. Again, not new. People do presentations all the time, but um, to, to stay on the topic of kind of the clothes being the center of attention, it was nice to have the designer there and like the music is low enough that you can actually hear what's going on and just have her talk about the clothes and show them off and you can see them up close. I feel like a lot of times with the runway stuff, it's just, it walks past you in one second. And then again, the Alexander Wang show, everything was under a harsh red light, which meant I could not tell what color anything was, which I thought was an interesting choice because everything just looked red. Um, And I was like, that, I don't think that's a smart move. I is, was it entirely red collection? I have no idea. Um, so I, I did appreciate getting to go to some more quieter affairs and getting to actually see the clothes up close and talk to the designers and stuff. That that was I appreciated that. 
Yeah. And our coverage of them, you know, as press will be more thoughtful and um, (laughs) I would say uh, backed up by actual like facts like they're actually mm-hmm. going harder into denim there which like emma on our team emma sandler said tibby is seeing great sales in their newer denim line um that mm-hmm. came out a couple of seasons back um same for uh veronica beard there are denims blowing up and that just came from some conversations um and on the topic of denim like there was definitely in terms of extremes the two the two extremes in terms of wearability are people um thinking of the consumer and um, where their mindset is, where they're spending, if things can be worn time and time again, a lot of denim. Um, I looked at Coach at the back of the the um, above the pocket to see if it was a Levi's collab because there was a lot mm. of great looking vintage style denim, um, but all of their clothes seemed you know wearable yet special. There was leather, of course. It's fall, a lot of leather on the runways this season. Um, yeah. But then there were also like the very impractical um, at Christian Cowan, you know, the finale look. It is what it is. It's not going to maybe be the most <laughs> every day, but like yeah. literally, she could barely walk in her huge ass cape. So she yeah. ended up <laughs> taking it off at the end of the runway. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah, definitely extremes. Um, and speaking of wearability, um, not shown this week, but announced this week is that Phoebe Philo is finally going to have her first collection from her brand. The brand was announced over a year ago, I think, oh, a year and a half maybe. And um, she's been quietly working on it. And it's um, going to be this September they will finally show off their first collection, which I think is very cool. Um, by the way, Pharrell will also have his first Louis Vuitton collection, I believe, in September. Or maybe it was June. Um but uh, but speaking of wearability, Phoebe Philo is always, I feel like, praised for, you know, being very elegant and high fashion, but also stuff that, you know, a normal person can actually wear. Um, and she has, you know, a massive fan base of very, very devoted um, fans. So I wonder if her coming back um, and presumably it's going to be a big success. I'm just predicting that. I feel like uh, people are already anticipating it so highly. I wonder if that will have any effect on um, kind of the overall industries, you know, leaning towards crazy avant-garde pieces that no one will wear versus back towards something a little more realistic. I don't know. I, I feel like I know where she will probably land, which is more towards the, you know, well-designed stuff that you could actually wear. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see that. Yeah, I am too. On that note, like that you'll actually wear, I think designers were all like, well, we're back at work. Like there was a lot of stuff that I'm like, oh, I love that. It's a great suit. Again, it's fall. It's expected. But also a lot of um, shirting, menswear, even like menswear neckties. I think um, another tomorrow had that, which I love that for girls. But um, Mm -hmm. everything looked a little bit (laughs) sophisticated and polished. And I'm like, I want to wear that. I need to go back to the office. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I I saw a a look that I really liked, um, again, from Tanner Fletcher. They had all this uh, vintage-looking, kind of crocheted almost um, stuff, and they had this shirt with, like, a deer, a a little peaceful meadow scene of, like, a deer and grass and a little brook, um, like, stitched into the fabric, and it it almost looked like something you'd see at your grandma's house or something, Um, but I thought that was so fun, and there there was, yeah, I'm with you. There was a lot of stuff that I saw where I was like, oh, that's actually really nice and not too crazy looking, you know? Yes. Did you have a favorite, a favorite show, a favorite collection? 
Um, that was one of my favorite looks. I I also really liked Another Tomorrow. Again, maybe just because I got to get a closer look to at the actual clothes and had Liz like walk me through it and explain things. But it was mo the most memorable to me, and I I, I came out of it uh, feeling like those were the clothes I would be most interested in buying or you know seeing on somebody. Um, yeah, there were they and speaking of, they had a lot of denim too, um, which I think is new ish for them. I don't think it's their first denim ever, but that was something that she said they're they're gonna look into more as well. Um we what about search. you? Any favorite shows or looks? Yeah, we should search more about what designers are doing with denim. Um I, I saw it at Alice and Olivia too, and I was like, they've always done denim, yeah. But anyway, it was done in a really fun way with some like gold chain belts and of course like zhuzhed up to be way more fun. Um, I would say my favorite um, in terms of yes things I would wear all the time if I could and P.S. I love another tomorrow. I didn't make it to the presentation. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm always posting their stuff on Instagram. I love it so much. Um, but uh, Brandon Maxwell which um, oh, yes. yeah I felt like they he has grown up. It was sophisticated. There was some yes. like leather for night. I wanted to wear every single thing. Like, it was a yeah. really beautiful collection. I remember you telling me right after the show or the next day that it felt like he grew up a little bit, that the designs were much more adult and more wearable. And, and that's great, yeah. Yeah, give me some of that. <laughs> and it was on Valentine's Day, which uh, some of the team was talking about, like, the return of of gifting. Like, Simkai had a great scarf on his seats that was not on Valentine's Day. But anyway, it was mm. just fun um, that a lot of... Designers did like a rose on the seat, um, like yeah. Naeem Khan did that, and also Christian Cowan. Um, oh, Danny, I, we were saying, I thought I went to 15 shows. It was 14, plus the mm. backstage, plus meetings, and <laughs> I would count that, yeah. Yeah. No, you had, a, you had an extremely busy week, and you had to fly in and fly out. So I think you have earned a well-deserved rest. Um, we have more Fashion Month coverage coming up in the next few weeks, though. London is next, right? And then Milan, yeah. and I believe Paris. Um, we will have stories on Glossy about all of them, and we will talk about all of them on the podcast here, too. So um, stay tuned for that. I think that's all the time we have, though, so we're going to wrap up. Um, don't forget to give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you're listening to this, um, for the Glossy Podcast. That helps us out a lot. Uh, every Friday, we do the Week in Review. Usually, it's me and Jill, sometimes me and other members of the team. Uh, and every Wednesday on the Glossy Podcast, me or Jill will interview Jill or I will interview, uh, you know, some cool industry insider. Uh, Jill, who's up next in the podcast? Yes, we've got Peyton Jenkins. He is founder of Alton Lane, which does great oh, yes. uh, custom suiting. And honestly, yes. really fun conversation about um, they're seeing some success on TikTok, which you would never think, but they've mm -hmm. got a, a funny guy, I would say, on staff um, who's doing a great <laughs> job. And I was going to say, you should recommend, uh, I'm going to recommend Zofia for your next week in review. She's going to be bouncing around at London Fashion Week yes. starting tomorrow. Um, so yeah, from- I'm, I'm pretty sure, yeah, Zofia, I'm pretty sure will be our, our guest next week uh, because like you said, she'll be at London um, because she lives there. So that's great. Uh, <laughs> And anyway, yeah, so I think that's all the time we have. Tune in um, next Wednesday for uh, Peyton Jenkins and next Friday for some London Fashion Week coverage. And until then, thank you for listening. Thank you.